This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air. Hi, hello, this is Carol Reid and you are tuned to Venus Voices, where each month we take a Venus woman who is in business and we profile her business. And if you haven't checked out Venus, I encourage you to do that. Just go online to venusclubs.co.nz or venusnetwork.co.nz, you'll find us there. And you can have a look and see we've got four groups in the Bay, Hastings, Napier, Taradale and Havelock North. And we... we basically are a group of women who have come together who are really passionate about the businesses that we do and we operate and we're there to support one another and give encouragement to uh, women working in business so if you know someone who is in business or you yourself are in business and are tuned to this then check us out come and give me a call um, 021-774058 and I'm the regional manager I'll be able to help you out with getting in touch with Venus but today it's a great pleasure for me to be able to welcome Bronwyn Harmon welcome Bronwyn Thank you, Carol. And you are Fundraising Work, so you have a business working with fundraising in Hawke's Bay, looking after charities, getting money for people out there, and particularly with Women's Refuge, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah, I'm a professional fundraiser, so um, so I go into an organisation and help them to develop some secure income streams so yeah beautiful and of course charities need that because they often fly under the radar and are asking for help a lot aren't they so it's good to be able to have some funding to be able to implement what they're trying to achieve oh absolutely I mean funding is pivotal for them to to grow and continue really Um, it's just the bottom line nobody gets no charities get 100% funding from the government and so it's just what everybody has to do Mm, absolutely and money can be tight so you've got to be creative in ways that we get it together yeah definitely I mean I call fundraising um, I believe that fundraising is about friend raising, so it's about Beautiful. I love building that. relationships with people. So it's kind of looking past the fact that we need X amount of money for some project and actually understanding that when you have people who really believe in what you do and who understand that you are making a difference and want to support you, that not only will they give you the funding for that initial project that you're looking for they'll also continue to support you on an ongoing basis so so the communication and the um, connection with those people is really important and it's always around the stories because all charities have really powerful stories and especially when you're looking at an organization like the women's refuge mm. Gorgeous, absolutely, and it is the power of story. Storytelling is really, really powerful, isn't it? Yep. I do a lot of that in my own work, and it's it's one of those things we all have stories, mm. but but actually being able to get in underneath that and understand, you know, what what the journey has been for the charity is is can really inspire people. Mm. Definitely, I mean, it's about making a difference in the community, which is what which is what people understand is needed. People know and see the need, and especially again when you're talking women's refuge, people understand that that's that that's something that happens in our community but I don't know that a lot of people actually understand the level that it happens and the fact that it happens everywhere there's no geographical boundaries around um women who are affected by family violence and there's no 
um, boundaries. So, so you can all make anything. No, nothing. nothing. No, absolutely no. not. It can be happening to the neighbour next door, mm, mm. and you may or may not be aware of it. Yep. So that's where that community sort of stuff comes in, doesn't it? Just yep. checking in with each other. Yep. I know during COVID, you know, we were really encouraged to check in on our, mm. on our neighbours and see how things were. We've kind of lost that a bit as we've gone back to the day-to-day grind. Yeah. It's one of those things to really be aware of and know who's in your community and, and how you can support them. Mm. Oh, very definitely. And I think the um, messages that are constantly, we're trying to put out there in the community around family violence and supporting women is that if you see something that you don't feel is right, you're probably right. It's not right. So you need to be prepared to, to say something and to ask a question. And, you know, I've got a story about um, one of our women who we we supported who that was exactly the turning point for her was when someone actually did say um you know are you okay Mm. so yeah it's something that's so important and I think it's that see something say something if your gut tells you there's something wrong and not not quite right with what you're seeing it probably is the case Mm, absolutely yeah Mm. And so, why did you start working in the non-profit sector? What, what was your what was your reason for starting to work in that in that area? Yeah, I really um, I wanted to make a difference, and I kind of realised that that I was going to be able to do that by working in that sector. Um, I ended up working for a number of different charities, and then decided I would leave and set my own business up, and that was more around actually understanding I wanted to make an impact on more, more than one organisation, awesome. which, which I have done. I've um, you know, worked with a range of different hospices and, and both local and um, national organisations and, and working on um, two big contracts now, which is the Refuge and the Rescue Helicopter, but also smaller ones that I kind of pick up from time to time. Mm, so cool. It's awesome. Must be very rewarding. Do you find it really heart-opening heart, heart for you? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think the reality is, though, that that, that charitable sector um, attracts a range of different people, and there are a lot of people who are in it for the same reason that I am, which is around making a difference and supporting people. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of people who aren't in it for that reason too, so that can be quite frustrating and can also stop you stop progress so Mm -hmm. it's very hard sometimes when you're kind of working especially working with boards and in different um groups of people it can Mm. be Mm. be a real challenge absolutely yeah because people do come in sometimes with their own agendas don't Mm, they so it's not that's not necessarily what we want (laughs) because we we really want people there for the right reasons not not for their own um self-interest really Mm. you know Mm. um i think that's one of the key things with charities isn't it is that you know the 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 people like you say you're you're united on a common goal Mm. which is the benefit of you know whoever it might be um Mm. uh, there's an author that i i follow lynn twist and she does a lot of work with uh, the humanitarian sector around um aid to um people who are you know hungry you know, mm. So she's got this project called the Hundred Hunger Project, and yep. raises money. And even she talks about even poverty and hunger. Mm. We can feed everybody, but the reason that we don't is because of all the political things that that tie into um, creating hunger in, mm. a, in a society. So, mm. for instance, in India, they have people that um, are there, you know, making sure that they make a living from mm. begging mm. and people like pimps you know almost mm. go along and take the money from those people that are employed by them to beg 
So it's an industry. Mm. Do you know mm. what I mean? So it, and there's yeah. people that don't want that industry to change. So mm. no, of course, because it lines their pockets. It lines their pockets. Yeah, and yeah. money that being that thing that, that does that. You know, mm. but but I think if we're raising, like you say, you're raising awareness, mm. um, that's causing more and more people to the groundswell to come, isn't it? Mm, absolutely, and I think too that that's that difference too sometimes between the professional um, fundraising that you do in the, the volunteer fundraising. I mean, volunteers are amazing and contribute a huge amount to charitable well, to a whole community, really. But yeah. um, but certainly when you when you start looking at that professional fundraising, you're looking at being accountable for expenses and, you know, and, um, you know, transparency around money coming in and where it's spent and all those kind of things, which are really important. Absolutely, mm. absolutely. Um, and what do you say? What do you say? So we sort of talked about some of the challenges, you know, that that you that you face in the non-profit sector, like people coming in with that perhaps not the same agenda, or, or perhaps you know with with a, not a not a um, a focus on on the charity as such, perhaps for their same same sort of self-interest. But what are the challenges apart from sort of getting the money? And um, what are the sort of challenges that you also find working in that sector? Yeah, I guess such, um, you know, like it is challenging when you're working in that sector, but it, it is hugely rewarding, and often that's because you've got the um, that real grassroots of social change that you're involved in, and you're actually making a difference in someone's life. Yeah. Um, especially with a contract with the refuge. Yeah. Fundraising is something that all charities have to do because they need funds. So. Um, I talk about what I call the difference between the sausage sizzle, cake store mentality and a professional fundraising yes. programme, which is kind of people who are focused on um, that um, smell of an oily rag and surviving on not very much, which a lot of charities need to do because they don't have a lot of money. Sure. But they need to be able to get out, out of that, that singular um amount of money that you're looking for and to actually look at developing those relationships and those friends so sometimes a lot of that's quite a big change for an organisation and that's probably the Mm. the biggest change. So it's a mindset shift isn't it? It is, yeah. Because like you say they're thinking more in scarcity perhaps, you know they're working and so they're working on the smell of an oily rag, they haven't got a lot of um, backup and and extra resources Um, but whereas I guess it's the same old isn't it, if you want to get good people you've got to pay, you know. Oh you do. Pay peanuts you get monkeys, it's it's the same thing so if if we want to have a professional you know organisation that's going to be able to continue to raise funds We've got to have professional people mm. in those roles to be able to to get it get the name out there, eh? Yeah, and people, you know, when you look at those um, charities that have got those professional fundraisers, um, you know, you see that they're operating, um, you know, with an understanding that there is a cost involved in um, in what they're doing, and it's an investment in, in the future, an investment in the brand, um, everything. Yeah, mm. yeah, and mm. and that. There's a, an accepted cost of what they term the cost of fundraising, which is a 23% cost, which most charities operate under that. Really? Um, but it's, yeah. you know, that's so recognised right throughout the sector really? internationally that, that, you know, 
organisations need to recognise that if you're raising X amount of money that you should be spending that money on developing. Mm. And it's not even, you know, it's things like databases and, and um, back-end systems mm. where you're making sure that money that's coming in for a particular project is being spent on that project. And mm. all of those things require resources but are very, very important to be doing the right thing. So essentially it's like it's a, qu- it's a quarter or, you know, 25% mm, of, is, yeah. of what they're bringing in. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense though. Mm. Yeah, of course wow. it does. Yeah. That's a, that's amazing. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if there was a piece of wisdom you could give a person either looking to start a charity or a person starting to work with charities, what would it be? I guess it would be to make sure that you do your research well before you actually do it, and make mm. sure that you. Um, I think that the. The challenge with the, the sector at the moment is that there are so many people doing similar things, so many different organisations. Yes. So you need to check what what's being done mm. and make sure that what you're doing is kind of sitting outside of that. A bit of uniqueness um, there to be able to raise the funds. Cause yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, I get well, I get asked all the time in my other business, you know, to, to be able to support different charities. They ring for all different causes. Mm, and mm. quite often I can actually hit one cause, I could hit a whole lot of causes by hitting one cause, if you know mm. what I mean. Like, so, I, for instance, uh, Special Children's Extravaganza does a thing once a year, and that's something that looks after brain injured children, mm. you know, um, autistic children. Like, it does mm. a whole bunch of range of charities. So, in actual fact, when I give there, I'm giving to all of them. Absolutely. Yeah. So, it's here, yeah, it is. It's, it's sort of giving that, that um, wider reach, which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the other thing really is just to make sure that they've got a good, solid crew of people behind them so that's people on a board which are really important that you've got good good trustees on a mm. board because all charities if you're accepting donations you need to be a registered charity yes um, and, and you've got to have a board of governance yeah, that actually yep, controls and that and is it accountable eh? yep yep and then the team that work around you um so yeah i think that that's um that would be what my advice would be mm. Good. And have you got an unusual sort of story or a funny, quirky story that you want to share with us about perhaps what, what you've experienced with anyone in the past or something that you'd want to share? Yeah, well, I just um, mentioned before that um, we I just wanted to quickly um, tell you the story about um, Sahara, who yes. is a client that we um, She's lovely. looked after. She yes. is lovely. Yes. And um, Sahara's story is a really powerful story because it talks about, um, you know, at kind of the start of it is that um, Sahara's story, um, she was in a very violent relationship and her husband brought her and her children across from South Africa to New Zealand, um, isolated her and... Um, Things just escalated and got worse, which is often what happens. Mm. Um, and I think the turning point for Sahara was when um, a woman, her next door neighbour, actually stopped her when she went out to the letterbox, I think, um, and said to her, You know, I'm really sorry, I don't mean to interfere, but I just wanted to ask you, Are you okay? Um, and that was the first time someone had actually acknowledged that that she might not be okay. Mm. So um, she then said no, she wasn't. Um, and this woman then helped her um, and put two stools, which um, I find a really powerful story mm. that she put, one on her side of the fence and one on Sahara's side, got her and the children to come out in. And she said to them, look, if anything happens, you climb on these stools, I'll have this door unlocked all the time and you can come in and I'll be there. 
mm-hmm. to help you. So that was Sahara's sort of first um, start, her first steps towards um, actually ending that relationship, which ended up, um, um, her story is that um, her husband almost killed her and mm. um, then he... It was kicking her in the head on the, on the floor of their office. Yeah. You know, on the, because they had a business together. Yeah. That was just horrendous. It was. And so um, ended up, um, he ended up then cleaning out her bank account, all their bank account, and taking off back to South Africa. Um, so Leaving her with heaps of debt and all sorts of things uh, yeah, to have to reconcile. Exactly. And so Zahara, um, he had bought her jewellery through the process of when he was after he'd beaten her, he would feel guilty. So he'd buy her really expensive jewellery. So in those early days, she actually sold the jewellery to be able to survive with the children and the refuge and the other agencies were supporting her, but financially it was really hard for her. Um, so then um, my story is really around the beginning of that, that there was a woman who actually helped her and mm-hmm. started that progress. And then... Um, we had Sahara come and speak to one of our um, fundraisers where she was absolutely amazing. It was the first time she'd ever told her story and it was mm. a very... Um, very emotional. Very, very hard to hear, but mm. um, it was a huge step forward for her. Um, so the aftermath of, of her telling her story was that one of the women who heard that story um, was really um, upset with her having... Um, had to sell her jewellery. So she went to Michael Hill and bought her a $500 jewellery voucher and Mm. and returned that to us that we could give to Zahara so she could go and buy something for herself. We also had um, Carolyn from Maven who, Maven Hair Design, who was there. um, And she then got Zahara to come in and she did a pamper session with her just to help her. She just wanted to do something to Mm. support her. So for me, when I look back on that story, I see the powerfulness of women supporting each other and just the the difficult um, what Zahara had to go through which was which was very horrific um, but getting out the other end of it just the fact that she is now feeling so empowered and so courageous and so brave mm. um, it's a really nice story in terms of what the refuge how we can how the refuge support her because the the programs and the the things that we did that helped her along the way to actually um, have herself able to to survive and to to get through um, mm. the actual skills that one of the programs, our women's program that Sahara learnt was around if someone was kicking you in the head how she could protect herself um, which is what she did, which is why she survived and why um, so you know it's all very powerful stuff. Mm, absolutely so if this if you're listening to this and, you, and you're recognising what Bronwyn's saying and that there could be someone next door to you or someone that you know that this is happening for they can can they get in touch with you? How do they get in touch with the refuge? They just get hold of the Hastings or Napier Refuge, don't they? Um, there's an 0800 number, um, which is 0800 Refuge. Sorry, I don't can't remember. No. Yeah, yeah. 0800 Refuge. Yeah, yeah. and um, it's, they can call that, and that will come through to our local team. So that's me, 24/7. 
um, and they can talk to someone mm. if there's anyone that we can um, get advice on what to yep. do next, next steps, you know, yep. that kind of thing. Because I guess the thing is, the hot, the the thing that stuck out for me with Sahar's story was that um, she had a she had a plan, you know, like if she she tried to work through the situation um, and tried to make the best of the situation, but mm. she she had a plan of escape. She did, um, and 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 I think that's that was key, you know, that was mm. really key when when she felt that it had gone escalated too far mm. she had a way to move forward and quite often when we're in those situations we just don't think there's another way no but there's always always another way mm. and I think that's what Sahara said to us as well that she just didn't until that woman stopped her and said are you okay she didn't think that she had any, any other option she thought that that was her lot and she was just going to have to deal with it because um she yeah she just didn't know so then was when she then made the the change and, and, and looked at the different places that she could go for support and help and found the refuge and um, kind of mm. moved from there. It's awesome, mm. absolutely amazing. Cool, okay. Um, so if anyone wants to get in touch with you, Bronwyn, how do they do that? Can they call you or if they've got, if they've got a charity that perhaps they um, are needing some support with, how would they get in contact with you? Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, they can call me on my mobile which is 021-877-903, um, or I have an email, which is bronwyn at fundraisingworks.co.nz. Great. So if you want to, if this is, you know, you've thought, oh, I want to make a charity out of this, or I want to explore this, or I want some support with getting some funding, or I'm in a charity, or I'm on a board, or any of those sorts of things, or I know someone who is, then get in touch with Bronwyn because she's got a wealth of information, as you've heard already, and she'd be really able and willing to support um, anything that anyone's doing, wouldn't you, Bromer? Yep, absolutely. Fantastic. So now we're going to move on to um, the other part of our little show, which is our ve- a little bit more about Venus. So, Bromen, you've been in Venus for a wee while now. I think it must be a couple of years, is it? It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. wow, wee, that just mm. goes so fast. Mm. <laughs> um, what do you love about Venus? Oh, look, I really love the support from other women. I love um, getting to know other women in their business, and I really love the vibe of the meetings. It's kind of all about support and listening. There's no there's no egos. There's no, um, yeah, it's... Uh, and and the, the Venus Network, and especially the, the um, group that I belong to, the Hastings Group, have been incredible support with the things that we've been doing with the refuge and, and helping us. So um, it all helps. Yeah, absolutely. It is definitely very much. In Venus, we do talk about um, really being able to support one another in our businesses. We are, whilst we create, we're sort of a a sales team for each other. Mm. We're also a support team for each other. And quite Mm. often, if you're in business, you're often an entrepreneur, you know, doing it on your own. And so this is a chance for people to come and have it sort of like a a place to come and be Mm. each fortnight, isn't it? Each each two weeks Mm. um, to come and check in and um, and have that sort of what you'd have in an office, I guess, but you have the round table with Venus I guess Mm, definitely yeah and um, what advice do you have for Venus ladies and how to make the most of their membership yeah I think the um, the raves is what I get a huge amount of benefit um, from and I think I would really encourage that that woman do that it's lovely to get to know women a little bit better and to, to spend that time I always end up talking for much longer than what we you know it's just a lovely sharing time and just I, I really enjoy them, so I'd encourage that. And so was, just just so people know what a rave is, it's not that we go out mm. raving mad or go, go to these parties and take ecstasy and dance on the ceiling. 
So it's actually a one-on-one encounter with another member. We call it a referral alliance value encounter. That's why it's called a rave. Mm. But what Bromin's saying there is that, you know, we encourage you each fortnight to meet with someone else within your group um, to get to know them. And isn't it surprising sometimes you think, uh, you know, you're kind of going through, ticking off the list, if you like, I'll meet with that, because you always sort of gravitate to the first ones that you really get on with. And then, you know, you go, okay, well, I need to meet with so-and-so, and then you meet with them, and then you're like, oh, there's all these things that we have in common. Mm, and mm, I always absolutely. find it really fascinating, you know. I, I, you know, not that I try and prejudge, but it's like, well, you know, you gravitate to other people over mm. others, you know. And then when you do meet them, that's just fascinating what women are doing mm. out there and their mm. lives and, and a bit about their history and, and what their, you know, what their ideal client even looks like sometimes. Mm. You're like, oh, I've never thought about a client like that for you you know so yeah yeah cool so you enjoy those yes definitely and then also um i would really suggest that um they go to other meetings and all the trainings because i think that's a a really nice way of meeting those people outside of your group and yeah yeah so you so what bromin's saying there is you can visit other groups Mm. provided your category doesn't clash because in venus everyone has their own category so we have lawyers you know accountants um with with what Bromin does, she's pretty unique. So she's she can get around to, <laughs> to all the groups, no problem, you know. And that's what it's about. So if you, if there's no one else in your category, then you can definitely visit those groups. And that's again checking in and um, getting to know the wider aspects of of Venus um, mm. as businesswoman out there in the community. Awesome. Um, and what do you think? What, what's helped? What's Venus helped in your business role? How's Venus helped you? Um, I think that the weekly focus of the meetings is great. It's going around the, the table where yeah, everyone's sort of saying the uh, 60 second worth of information contributing to the different subjects. It gives a really interesting perspective from a wide range of different women and it's interesting to to kind of hear all of that because I think we all tend to get stuck in that, you know, what we do is what we do and how we do it is the way that we do it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're kind of thinking, oh, well, actually someone's doing that slightly different. Maybe that's a better way of looking at it or, or, or not. You know, it's just interesting to yeah. be able to see that wider Adopt some of their processes mm, or what, you definitely. know. Yeah. It just gives, uh, you know, it's nice to hear, um, you know, that one subject that we talk about every week and just to hear the wide, I mean, I think we've got 15 or 16 members in our Hastings group and to hear all of those different perspectives on that one topic is, is really interesting, I find it. Absolutely. And so the topics are, they're a way for us to focus our meetings. So we mm. always have a different meeting topic each each two weeks that we meet. And, uh, and they can be varying all sorts. At the moment we're talking about um, acquisition. You know, how, how, what would it mean if you if you bought... If, you, if, for instance, Bromwyn decided she wanted to buy another another um, charity, you know, she wanted to be a, buy into someone else's book who look after charities or something like that, you know, or, mm. you know, there's different ways to actually grow, and acquisition is one of those ways. So, mm. how does that? Mm. What does that look like? You know, so it's just getting you to think a little bit outside mm. the square, and you may not have even thought about that, mm. um, or you might not even, you know, recognise that there could be a way to have a complementary service with yours. Um, mm. Yeah, great. And then why do you think it's so needed? Why do you think we need this type of thing in business? I just think um, women support each other really well. And I think that, um, you know, so a women's network, I really 
passionately believe in. But I also have found that being in business as a sole trader, that it can be really lonely and isolating. Yeah. Um, I learned very early on and when I started my business up there, I didn't want to be sitting by myself on my computer at my dining room table day in and day out. That yeah. wasn't what I wanted my business to be, yep. how I wanted to operate it. So, um, so this opens a whole lot of those doors for me and it means that I've um, got those connections and networks that, that, that mean that I can change that. Brilliant. Awesome. Mm. Great. Well, thank you so much, Bron, for being here today. Um, is there any parting bit of wisdom that you want to share with anybody or anything you'd like to add about what we've talked about today, either about Venus or about what you do with fundraising works? Um, no, not really. I guess that it's just to back to that message that I said earlier, you know, in terms of I am really passionate about the Women's Refuge and, and the work that they do, the amazing work they do in the community, but we need the community to support us. So mm. it's just it's so Women supporting women, isn't it? It is, it's a yep. real theme. Yep, so, um, you know, you just, I, th- I say to everybody, you need to always be aware and just be, be looking, and if there is something that your gut tells you isn't right, you need to act on it. So that's kind of my main part of advice, really, on a day-to-day basis. Just be aware of what's going on around you absolutely awesome all right so if um, you'd like to get in touch with venus you can get hold of me i'm carol reed i'm the regional manager 0217740058 or you can email me at carol at venusnetwork.co.nz if you want to get hold of bronwyn it's bronwyn at fundraising the bronwyn.harman or no just bronwyn at fundraisingworks.co.nz yeah and your mobile again Bron? my mobile is 0218779039 This show was produced by and first broadcast on Radio Kidnappers, Hawke's Bay's community access radio station. Thanks to New Zealand On Air for enabling us to put Hawke's Bay voices on air.